Welcome back to New Rockstars. This is The Big Question, the show that gives you too much information about that incredibly embarrassing moment from your childhood that, no matter how many times you are able to relive it, will always be embarrassing because it made you into the supervillain that you are today. <laughs> My name is MT, and I'm here with off-screen producer, Brandon. What's going Hello. on, Brandon? Hello, MT. I'm doing great. Um, just keep calling me off-screen producer. I know some people said we should change <laughs> it, but please don't. Like I said previously, that is your first name off screen is the first name it's brandon middle name last name barrack <laughs> <laughs> there we go there we go i uh, i was there when his birth certificate was written um that's how that works it's very kind of you <laughs> i don't carry around a long form birth certificate i just have mt to be like i i was there i saw it well duh because your birth was a nexus event dude <laughs> it's Everyone true this. it's true <laughs> I branch the timeline what a what a great segue mt what a great segue mt what if has been an incredible journey so far about what could have been for so many right. of our, our heroes and some of our villains. I've really enjoyed the show and it's introduced all these new characters uh, and some brand new concepts as well. For example, we now know about absolute points, which are yes. moments in a universe's timeline that cannot be changed or altered no matter how bad you want to get in there and mess things up. Uh, so that all, that all leads us uh, to this week's big question. What are some absolute or nexus points in the MCU? Okay, okay, okay. That's a great question, Brandon. Well, let's first establish what we mean when we're talking about an absolute or nexus point. Because in What If Episode 4, we saw a version of Doctor Strange that was using the Time Stone to try and prevent the accidental death of his love, Christine Palmer, uh, from Mean Girls. A lot less mean here. Get in the car, dummies. We're going to change the timeline. <laughs> However, no matter how hard he tried, he was never able to stop her from dying. And the Ancient One explained to Steven that Christine's death could not be prevented because it was, quote, an absolute point. And absolute points cannot be changed or altered because doing so would greatly affect history in that universe. But she says, if the other strange succeeds in reversing an absolute point in our universe, the resulting temporal paradox will destroy this universe. And this also shows that absolute points can be specific to a certain universe. In our MCU universe, Christine Palmer doesn't die. So that's not an absolute point for us. But mm. in that episode's universe, that has to happen for some reason. Now, you may have also noticed that we've referred to absolute points as nexus points as well. This is because what if head writer A.C. Bradley said in an interview with the GOAT movie podcast that had she written episode four of what if after seeing the Loki series, she would have called the absolute point a nexus point instead. Mm. The what if episodes had to be written so far in advance because of the technical needs of animation. So the nexus terminology wasn't around yet. Mm. So to recap, a nexus point or absolute point is a moment in a universe timeline that is so historically important that it cannot be changed or altered because doing so would create a temporal paradox that destroys that universe. And a nexus event is something that can be changed and by doing so, creates a branch timeline. And we saw this in the Loki series. And it's also important to remember that nexus points can exist in a singular universe or across multiple universes. For example, Tony Stark's death seems to be a constant across multiple universes, as Eric pointed out in a video last week. And if you haven't seen that video, be sure to check it out because my man goes in and sort of like goes into this weird conspiracy because it kind of feels like Tony Stark was meant to die. Uh, they, it's very weird. The MCU picks characters that they like to die and then makes us, makes us watch them die so many times. Over and so over and times. over again, like Vision. 
Please stop. I can't see another vision go. You know what? This vision, let him take over the entire multiverse yeah. because yeah, we've yeah. already had enough visions die. He deserves it. He deserves a win. Let, let him live. Let vision live. Even though it's Ultron vision, vision deserves to live. God damn it. But enough of the preamble. Let's dive into this week's big question and see if we could figure out some absolute or nexus points in our very own Marvel Cinematic Universe. Let's start with a big one. The snap! Three phases of the MCU led to that ultimate moment of population control that must be a nexus point in our MCU. In fact, the TVA didn't even blink an eye when the Avengers totally messed with the timeline to undo it all. Like, even Doctor Strange viewed 14,605,000 different outcomes, and they all involved a battle with Thanos that led to the snap. Even if the snap itself is just a nexus point in our universe, because What If has shown us other timelines where Thanos does not perform the snap, the collecting of all the Infinity Stones for the purposes of harnessing their powers is likely a nexus point across universes. It's something that every serious universe-conquering baddie loves to do, because... Why not? If there's six colorful uh, fruity pebbles, someone's got to have them. Someone yes. has got to have them. That's that's obvious. It's a nexus point. It's got to happen in our timeline. It's so important. And it looks like in other timelines, it, it's on its way to happening too. You know, we saw Thanos, you know, zombie Thanos is collecting all the stones. You know, the Thanos that Ultra right. Vision slices up like deli meat. He's going <laughs> after the stones. You know, that, that got me thinking of, even though it's sort of not really related. I, mm -hmm. I kind of want a what if episode of what if Casey from the TVA decided to use the Infinity Stones in his yeah. desk? Okay, so if we're going to talk about Nexus points, MT, which we're doing right here, we can't ignore mm. the number one Nexus being in our hearts, in our minds, and in our own timeline. Jeff Goldblum! Uh, 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 uh. <laughs> oh, Jeff Goldblum <laughs> and then the Scarlet Witch. Oh, Scarlet Witch, yes, of course, Scarlet Witch. Yeah, yes. yeah, yeah. I think <laughs> Wanda Maximoff becoming the Scarlet Witch is definitely an absolute point in the MCU timeline. Uh, and mm. I got two good reasons why for that. One, okay. the existence of the Scarlet Witch is prophesized in the Darkhold. Uh, ah, you know, the Book of Revelations. The Book of Revelations <laughs> for evil, evil people. Uh, you know, and if you're working so hard with dark magic, you're going to get a few things right. And he was mm. right about the, uh, you know, Kathan was right about there being a Scarlet Witch. So we get that. And when Wanda first interacts with the Mind Stone, as we saw in WandaVision, she has a vision of the Scarlet Witch. Mm. You know, an, again, another part of the prophecy. So like, w Wanda come, becoming the Scarlet Witch, I mean, it has to happen. It's so important. And it's obviously going to play an important role in uh, Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness, maybe in Spider-Man No Way Home. Who knows? Uh, and we know, you know, we've seen the Scarlet Witches in other universes and timelines totally. Um, right. And it's possible that her coming to power could be a nexus point in, across the universe. But I think she's definitely like a nexus point in the MCU. But hey, speaking of ultra powerful women, I mm -hmm. think we should consider the creation of Captain Marvel as a nexus point. Because oh, now okay. you could argue that the creation of every hero that was involved in the Infinity War was crucial to the way that things played out. But I think that Carol Danvers really stands out here because of the immense scope of her power. Because mm. she like the Scarlet Witch, was powered up with the cosmic assistance of an Infinity Stone. And not only does she work to keep Earth safe, but also the entire universe, as much as she can anyway, because yeah. she's only one woman after all. And who runs the universe? Girls. Girls. That's what... Who run the world? 
girls. Beyonce said. Queen B. Queen B said it. And as we've seen on What If, there are multiple universes and timelines that rely on her to be an equalizing force to incredible threats. You know, like when she fought Thor or when Nick Fury was like, hey, Captain Marvel, check this out. Captain America's still frozen. <laughs> uh, so yeah, she's like very much a very important uh, weapon or yeah. defender, a shield for multiple universes. Totally. I mean, maybe let her win one of these fights on What If? Jeez. I, mean, she I know. Jesus Christ. Back. Like getting blown up. <laughs> well, then again, I do not think that Carol Danvers died from that explosion. Mm, fully. Yeah. And also like sort of how he remains sort of alluded and like the TVA sort of alluded in Loki. It seems like the Avengers are pretty much constants throughout a lot of these universes. Mm, and the, and mm. the name Avengers comes from Carol Danvers. Yeah, so like yeah. for, for us to even have Avengers, Carol Danvers has to have existed at some point. That's a great point. And we've also seen, you know, throughout the MCU, as we learn more about ancient powers and, you know, super powerful beings, so few of them turn out to be good or altruistic, right? (laughs) Most of them have like horrible plans. Uh, You know, even like Odin, who protects Midgard, quote unquote, Mm. uh, for most of his existence was an asshole. Uh, he which literally killed so many people. Yeah. He was like, a, and he basically got bored of it or like tired. Mm-hmm. And he was like, Ugh, I'm tired of like beating up all these people. I'm going to be nice now. Mm-hmm. And his daughter's like, what the f*** are you doing? He's like, go to your room. <laughs> go to your room. You're grounded. Okay, and then he has other kids and never tells him about it. He's, like, well, he's not a good dad. Uh, yeah, it's never like in these things we meet this ancient being that's like, oh, I'm super nice and awesome. Uh, you know, we're going to meet the Eternals who are that, but only to mm. a point. Because like most of the time they're like, eh, not my problem. Right. Get a deviant involved and I'll show up. But otherwise, you do this <laughs> bullshit. That's not my problem. It's yours. Thanos not deviant enough. He's too not handsome. Enough. Too He's handsome. Only deviant. Not our problem. <laughs> Sorry, you gotta sit back and have a family. Um, <laughs> you kind of brought this up a little bit, MT, even, so we'll go a little deeper into it. Uh, mm. Let's consider this next absolute point or nexus point uh, and what it has to do with Nick Fury, okay? Because oh, his right, idea right. to bring together a group of remarkable people to see if they could become something more was instrumental to saving Earth from all the impending threats that we have faced and that we're going to face in the very new future. I mean, hey, like uh, Nick Fury said, you got to keep both eyes open. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) Surprise, motherfucker. Yeah, and he wouldn't, he would never even have had this idea if it weren't Mm. for Carol Danvers. I mean, you know, Mm. she gave him the name, the Avengers, right? It was her call sign. Right. Uh, But because, you know, he was just going around doing his business, working for S.H.I.E.L.D. and then she showed up showed him like, oh, there's all these extraterrestrial threats out there that we need to be hyper aware of. I need to get a team together. Uh, it's so important. And like, I, I don't think you can stop it because even in that what if episode three, where we saw all mm. the main Avengers get killed off, he still was like, well, I'm still going to put a team together. It's going to happen. <laughs> I'm making my team, goddammit. <laughs> and like the number of times that Nick Fury has almost died or we thought he was dead and it turns out he's still alive. Uh, uh-huh. You know, you can't stop him in our timeline. He's unstoppable. Uh, and no matter stop, what, yeah, yeah, you can't, if you get rid of whoever his A-team is, he's going to have backups. He's going to have backups to those backups and backups to those backups to those backups. If he had to, he'd rip open a hole uh, in the whole meta universe and pull in DC characters if he had to. You know, you can't, you can't stop the man. 100%. 100%. Like, literally, he would pull, oh my, he would pull in Cecil from the Invincible <laughs> universe first, and they would be best friends. Yeah, because true. those two motherfuckers 
are just yeah. they like to plot. They like yeah. to plot for the good of they humanity. They love to plot. So yeah, like Nick Fury putting together a team of Avengers. It's a nexus point. You can't stop oh, it. It's got. You be. cannot. Stop it's got to it. be. That sign can't stop me because I can't read. But from the good, we now look to the evil. Well. Sometimes evil, sometimes good. The god of mischief himself, Loki. Because after the events of Loki, we might be able to consider Loki a Nexus being. But one thing we definitely know for sure is that Loki attempting to conquer Asgard, Midgard, slash wherever he happens to be, is a Nexus point across timelines. And it's basically what the whole Loki series is about. No matter the timeline or the universe, Loki is burdened with the glorious purpose, like the glorious purpose to conquer. And he constantly feels underappreciated and overlooked for a seat of power. And when you have a Loki actually rebel and do the right thing, it shatters the entire timeline. It's like, yeah. what? What are you doing, Tom Hiddleston? You're supposed to be doing the shenanigans. No shenanigans. What are you doing? What? You, you want to make out with yourself? What is going on? <laughs> yeah, it's crazy to think that he who remains, aka Kang, who could see everything from the beginning of time to the end of time and all the timelines in between, right? Even he knew that if there were two Lokis willing to work together, it would just destroy everything, which is crazy. Yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> I, this is like, I think you're right, MT. This is the nexus point across all universes. Your Loki has to be willing to conquer and desire to conquer and try to conquer. Like you can't stop him. Uh, not at all. Yeah, we man. saw it's in one glorious of the purpose. what ifs. Yeah, it's that glorious purpose. He's burning with it. We saw that in one of the one ifs, you know, he showed up ready to take Earth. Let's go, baby. Uh, <laughs> it's what he's always going to do. He's always going to be trying to steal the throne of Asgard. Like, that's his thing. You can't you can't stop it. You can't undo it. It's got to happen because I think it is so important for every timeline that at some point Loki tries to do tries to take over. It's got to happen. Okay, I got another. I got another bad guy for you, MT. Okay, maybe bad if you don't agree with his his plan. I don't know. Uh, okay. The celestial ego. Ah, oh, no, he's fine. He's a good guy. He's, he's he's a nice guy. He's fine. He's fine. He just didn't want to pay child support. I mean, <laughs> you know. You pay little bit. <laughs> who does? If you if you have trillions of kids, who wants to pay for it? I'm not gonna pay for it. Make the government pay for it. He has no job. Ego is a deadbeat. <laughs> he has no. He can't pay yeah. child support. Get back out of here. Yeah. How's he going to get a job? He's a whole planet, okay? He's right? No one's going to hire a whole planet. What, to, to to be a barista? I don't think so. Yeah. <laughs> He's also very old. There's a lot of ageism out there, you know what I mean? Right? He can't, how's he supposed to get a job? Uh, <laughs> but anyways, <laughs> you have Ego, you know, him, Ego growing from just like a floating consciousness to a full-fledged mm. living pl planet, uh, like hell-bent on reshaping the universe in his own image you know, boom, that's a nexus point. Like, because he is mm. like a celestial and they, you know, they're from the beginning, they're, they're formed in the beginning of each universe. It's like, I don't think there's any way around him. Like he's always gonna be created. He's always gonna be there. And he's instrumental in creating Peter Quill right. in each universe. So it's like, I think he's a nexus point, uh, probably in every universe, but definitely in the MCU, he's a nexus point. Oh like, yeah. You couldn't go back and stop ego from forming because I think he is so important and he destroys like whole planets and stuff. Oh, yeah. There's definitely always going to be an ego in every universe. And like we sort of see that in what if. But here's one that you may have not even considered, Brandon. Okay. The awakening of the dark elf Malekith, everyone's favorite MCU villain. Everyone's always talking about Malekith. 
and Killmonger is the race to number one. <laughs> one you and know, two. Boom. Neck and one and two. Malekith Killmongers. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Every little villain wants to grow up to be a Malekith. <laughs> Everyone, really. Everyone. Loki, that was his main aspiration. <laughs> to be the king of space and then Malekith. But anyway, when Jane Foster accidentally came into contact with the Aether, aka the Reality Stone, it awoke Malekith and the other Dark Elves from their mm. hibernation slumber. And this also happened during the Convergence, a cosmic event where the Nine Realms are all aligned. And all of this led to the chaotic events that we saw in Thor the Dark World. And as we've already sort of discussed here, there's always seemingly someone going after these Infinity Stones. So with that in mind, there is always going to be someone disturbing Malekith's slumber. So that's why we think that Malekith's awakening and the Dark Elf's awakening might be a nexus point. So someone's gonna be disturbing Malekith. I didn't get no sleep cause of y'all. Y'all not gonna get a sleep cause of me. Uh, yeah. And if it happens during the convergence, watch out guys. Cause he's, he's yeah. pissed. And he's Everything's about to get it. dark. Hope Every, you wants, uh, got a nightlight. <laughs> he wants the darkness. He wants the darkness. He wants it. Um, uh, once you go black, Brandon, I'm telling you, <laughs> once you go black, uh, you, you wanna go back. That's what Malekith's doing. <laughs> In his version, perhaps. Uh, perhaps that is true. But yeah, I, I, you know, we don't we don't talk about Malekith a lot. He's kind of forgotten, unfortunately. Yeah. He is he's a real badass character in the comics. I love Malekith as a character. Yeah. I think that he's really sort of he, honestly he's doing his own Avengers Endgame in Thor: The Dark World. He's just like, mm -hmm. hey, something went wrong, and I just want to use the Infinity Stones to fix it. And so that's what he's yeah. doing. I love Malekith. Yeah, but it does make me think. You know, if Jane Foster had never discovered the Ether during. Uh, during the convergence and now that mm. kind of brought the reality stone like back onto the table right would right. would thanos have been able to even get the reality stone if those mm. whole events with jane foster hadn't happened would he be able to because well, we we don't know where they were where the ether was right Bohr just kind of right. put it somewhere right yeah and like that's actually a good question and i think that the reality stone might have been needed to be gotten either last or second to last mm. because i think that the stones have a ability to communicate with each other okay. and like there's this weird like pull as we saw with uh vision and when vision and uh, wanda were hanging out or like you know secretly making love uh i think vision was like oh man like something's coming like i feel my pimple <laughs> it's uh uh lord voldemort is near <laughs> my scar uh oh my scar He's coming. We gotta go. Um, no, I no, I think that was when um, Thanos was coming to Wakanda to actually take it from Vision. Mm, right, right, Vision right. knew that he, could he was there feel because he, he was could coming. Feel it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so, like, I feel like it, as long as Thanos had like five stones, he could use the space stone to be like, "All right, and now here is the reality stone." Yeah, show me where it place. is. <laughs> yeah. So I think that he would have found it too eventually. Yeah. Okay. So one of the most important scientific discoveries within the MCU occurred when Hank Pym discovered what he would go on to call Pym particles. Very smart branding. Uh, yes. A very good businessman. Um, <laughs> no one can take your shit because I've never met a Pym in my life. So yeah, yeah. he's got They're the my particles. They're my particles. Uh, but without them, he never would have been able to develop the technology that led to Ant-Man and Wasp. Uh, mm -hmm. And that leads to the discovery of the quantum realm. Uh, which they right. knew about, but they couldn't actually get to without those those particles. Right. And we've seen multiple timelines and universes have an Ant-Man, so it's clear mm. that the discovery of Pym particles uh, cannot be prevented. It, it's really important in our timeline and other timelines and universes. We all know how important Pym particles and quantum technology was when it came to the Avengers stopping Thanos right. uh, and undoing what he did. Cre the creation of Pym particles is definitely... 
a nexus point. Like they need to exist. Absolutely. To give again, to give like the heroes like the advantage when it comes to dealing with these cosmic threats that they're gonna be facing. Even if you go back in time and you kill Hank Pym when he's a baby, which why would you do that? You're a monster. Uh, you're still going to have someone figure it out. Someone's going to figure out like Pym particles, mm. you know, you'll get, you'll get like, you know, Darren Cross, once he knew that they were out there, he tried to figure it out and he got pretty close. Didn't quite get the mechanics right, but uh, <laughs> someone, someone's going to go got after it. You those. almost got it, Darren. <laughs> someone's going to go after those particles. Oh yeah, for sure. Like those are a huge part of the Marvel Cinematic Universe and like, Honestly, probably going to be the main focus of Quantum Mania because mm, everyone's yeah. going to probably going to go crazy over this quantum technology that saved the universe. And of course, with Sunny Birds mentioning that quantum uh, arms race or the energy race, I mean, uh, with that is coming to the MCU, I think that Quantum Mania is going to be that, and everyone's going to try to get their hands on the Pym particles, especially um, Hydra, who mm. stole that Pym particle from Darren Cross um, in Ant Man One. They've been working on the pin particle technology all this time from like what 2014 to 2023 they're probably trying to hack the secrets of the pin particle mm. so yeah this is a very big deal yeah i mean i'll tell you mt i've been to disneyland and they use those pin particles to make regular size meatballs huge it's crazy <laughs> is that how they do it is that's that how, how they, they do, do it over there? they uh oh, dang. they have that's they a make, secret sauce they make pretzels big they make other things small it's it's crazy what they're doing with that's how they make the, at disneyland. the small world ride it's, yes it was know, a normal everybody size used to be big and they shrunk it down shrunk we know the disney secrets subscribe today for more disney secrets that they won't tell you from the vault fresh from the vault anyway but also no but speaking of you know pink pim and the pim particles we also have to talk about the disappearance of janet van dyne because mm. i definitely feel like that is 100 a nexus Flash absolute point. And this would eventually lead to the knowledge of quantum tunneling that would make time travel possible, thus the events of Avengers Endgame. Because I don't think Scott Lang would have really known much about the whole quantum thing if Janet didn't say, hey, watch out, Scott. Uh, don't do that thing that is going to really come in handy in a couple of <laughs> yeah, minutes yeah. for you. All right, goodbye. Yeah. <laughs> Listen, Scott, I got this whole story about the dangers of shrinking down too small, but I'm not going to tell it to you right now. Uh, <laughs> I'm about to die. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, these. this is, you know, that's a good point, MT. Like, this nexus point is very close to the discovery of PIM particles, you know, with that leads to the discovery of the quantum realm. But if, like, Janet hadn't accidentally been shrunk mm. down, I mean, she did it on purpose. It wasn't an accident, but, like, yeah. If she hadn't have done An that. An accidental act of bravery. Right. She was doing this accidental bravery. No. She was so brave during, you know, the missile thing. It was like, I'm going to go down even though I have a kid. I got a family. And I'll never come back. Like, mm-hmm. I got to do this to save everything. Right. If she doesn't do that. And if she went down and, like, came back and was fine, they might have been like, okay, we'll never worry about it again. Uh, but because she goes down there and she gets lost, you know, mm-hmm. Hank, he, he tightens up the grip on pin particles, keeps them out of the hands of everybody for a mm-hmm. long time. Uh, and he also spends time figuring out how to do it and how to get down there safely and how to get someone out of there. If if that if she had never been lost, yeah, he may have just been like, "Quantum realm's too dangerous. Let's not f- with it. You know, let's mm. go on with our lives." I think no matter how you slice it, she's gonna get stuck down there. Sorry, Janet, you gotta go. Uh, <laughs> we can't you gotta undo get it. Stuck down there. Yeah, even in the zombie episode, she gets stuck down there. So you know, it's gonna happen. Uh, it, it's just gotta happen. Sorry, Janet. Sorry, Janet. I feel sorry. bad about it. Michelle Pfeiffer, go. beautiful woman, but sorry. You gotta go. <laughs> sorry.
you got to do it for the rest of us. You got to get stuck uh, down there. But, but those are just some of the potential nexus points that we think exist within the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Mm. Let us know if you have any others in mind down in the comment section below. Because yes, we please. love seeing our lovely nerd babies say beautiful <laughs> things about the MCU. Uh, but anyway. I also say, you're wrong. You're wrong, you dummies. <laughs> You're wrong! We I can't even you believe that. you said that. But before we continue, <laughs> our merch partners at Epic Hero Shop have all kinds of cool clothing and gear inspired by your favorite properties. And they have a really cool shirt inspired by Venom Let There Be Carnage that you need to check out. And they're also running out of stock of the Shang-Chi and the What If shirts. So grab one or both of those before they have retired to the Blue Dungeon forever. Uh, we're going to shove them into the Disney vault. Uh, we're, <laughs> That's we're, right. We stole stuff and we're putting stuff in. Yeah, we're swapping um, it out. <laughs> uh, so grabbing something from NewRockstarsMerch.com is an awesome way to support the channel and to show the world your love for your favorite fandom. And before we dive into our bite-sized questions next, some words from the people that help us bring big question to you. Folks like Honey. We all shop online and we've all seen that promo code field taunt us at checkout. Well, thanks to Honey, manually searching for coupon codes is a thing of the past because Honey is the free shopping tool that scours the internet for promo codes and applies the best one it finds to your cart. And Honey supports over 30,000 stores online from tech and gaming to popular fashion brands and even food delivery. And when you check out from one of your favorite sites, the Honey button drops down and all you have to do is click apply coupons. Wait a few seconds as Honey searches for coupons it can find for that site. And if Honey finds a working coupon, you'll watch the prices drop. Producer Zach recently used Honey to save 10 bucks on a baby shower gift. And Honey has found its over 17 million members over $2 billion in savings. So if you don't already have Honey, you could be straight up missing out on free savings. It's literally free and installs in a few seconds. And by getting it, you'll be doing yourself a solid in supporting this podcast and we never recommend anything that we don't use so get honey for free at joinhoney.com slash big question that is joinhoney.com slash big question now it is time for our bite-sized questions and our first bite-sized question of the day is brandon once you turn to the dark side do your false ghost privileges get revoked and this is from IAJ Smith on Discord. Thank you, IAJ Smith. Mm, mm, the dark side, Brendan. What do you know? Have I ever told you side? the story of Darth Plagueis? <laughs> do it. Make your dreams come true. What are you waiting for? Do it. <laughs> do it. Uh, <laughs> I love. I love a good Star Wars question. So let's dive into it. Okay. If you were Do born it. a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away, you could mm. possibly wind up making a pretty big decision in your life. Do you go to Tashi Station to get some power converters, which is what I would do. Love some the homies. Tashi Station <laughs> power converters. Um, I was going to go to Tashi Station to get some power converters. Hero of the what galaxy, loser. ladies and gentlemen. What a crybaby <laughs> b- Oh, boy. It's like I'm going nowhere. Uh, Uncle Owen should have just been like, shut the f*** up. You know what I've been through with your ass in my house? You drinking my blue milk? You messing up my moisture evaporators? I'm gonna kick your ass. I don't want to be seen talking to you outside. I'm gonna, I'm gonna go, I'm gonna go call that crazy old Uncle Ben. I'm gonna tell him to get your ass out of here. Oh, I'm, sick of your mother. I'm about to adopt one of these Jawas. Take your job, boy. About these fucking Jawas. We just made abusive Uncle Ben. I mean, Owen, Uncle Owen. A you know, every now, I mean, Uncle Owen, he f- paid the price for helping out his family. He did. Jeez. Fried Owen. Jeez, dude. 
Jeez. <laughs> Did you say extra crispy recipe? So should you choose that Sith path, even for most of your adult force-wielding life, that doesn't preclude you from becoming coming back as a force ghost at some point. Wow. Just look at our main man, Anakin, okay? He came mm. back as a force ghost at the end of Return of the Jedi. Though, yes, he did go back to the light side. Like, right before he died, a classic mm. move, right before you die, be like, I'm so sorry for all my sins. Please forgive me. <laughs> I'm turning to Jesus. I'm turning to Jesus. <laughs> I'm about to die, please. Forgive me, Father, for I have sinned. But it's still clear that even if that, with that last minute convergence, he was, uh, his privileges were not revoked. He was allowed to be a force. Wow. Ghost. He killed all them kids in the school and the force <laughs> oh was like, God. hey, man, at least you're sorry. And the, <laughs> and the younglings, all those younglings, shit. a whole tribe of sand people just wiping them out. Uh, those younglings were ghosts. Just, we didn't see those younglings as ghosts. They they weren't old enough to learn how to do it. It's true. Well, MT, let's, let's actually talk about it. Let's establish how you gain the ability to come back as a force okay. ghost in the first place, okay. okay? Normally, when a force-sensitive being dies, their spirit becomes one with the totality of the force. You mm. just kind of get evaporated into general forceness. You're gone but your spirit goes into the, the force ether, okay? Mm. However, a Jedi can learn a technique that allows them to deny the will of the force. It is the will of the force for you to go into the main bank, but you can deny that will of the force and retain your individual spirit separate from the overall force. Then you can, if you do that, you can remain as like kind of a misty force spirit that's just kind of floating around, or you can manifest yourself as like a translucent blue version of yourself uh, like we had, as if you were alive. Now, this is what we saw in the films, right. right? These are the force ghosts we saw in the films. And sometimes the ability to return as a force ghost is tied to a final act of selflessness just before your death. Like the fact mm. that we see Anakin as a force ghost at the end of Return of the Jedi, it's because he saved his son. His son was mm. getting the shocker. And he was like, not my boy, not my baby boy. And he throws the emperor over the edge. That final act of selflessness, you know, helped him to become a force ghost. Mm. The The concept of force ghost has exist, existed for a long time in the history of Star Wars. But in right. modern film slash story canon, what we know as just from the movies, it was it hadn't been done in a while. And it was rediscovered by Qui-Gon Jinn. Uh, remember him? He got he got done dirty in The Phantom Menace. It was an act of selflessness that helped him after he dies. He's kind of just like floating around as a spirit. And then he's able to manifest himself into a force ghost again. And so he then teaches that technique to uh, to Obi-Wan and then Yoda, who on their own, then learn how to do it themselves. I think he teaches it to Yoda first in the Clone Wars series. And yeah. then Yoda teaches it to Obi-Wan. Yeah. He also like speak. It's weird. It's so hard MT with all the like Star Wars yeah, stuff. Because it's, it's like. Wars. Some of it's in Clone Wars. Some of it's in like Legends canon. Some of it's in like the mm -hmm. books that they it's consider like, part of the movie canon. It's very confusing. <laughs> it's basically religion. <laughs> yeah. My retelling of Force Ghost, it's, there's a lot to it. And if you're very mm. interested, I, I invite you to look into it because there's the main movie canon and then there's like Legends mm. canon, which was all the right. old expanded universe stuff. So there's a lot of ways to approach this. But for from what I can understand in like the modern film canon, no one had done it for a while until Qui-Gon came around. He mm. figures that he's he's taught it by somebody, according mm -hmm. to uh, some legends canon. But also mm -hmm. because he lived a life where he kept his individual self separate from the force, he was able to do that. Great Jedi. Yeah, because part of part of becoming a force ghost is like retaining your sense of self 
along with a balance of the force. Because the problem with modern Jedi was they were like, you got to be all in on the force. There is no self. But as Qui-Gon knew, it's like, you got to have a little sense of self uh, separate mm -hmm. from the force. And that's how they're able to do it. Um, but what about the Sith? That was the question, right? Well, they mm. actually have their own technique called essence transfer or transfer life, where they can bind oh. their souls to inanimate objects or other bodies. Like sometimes a mm. Sith would like bind his soul to an object in his tomb to kind of like haunt his tomb in case anyone came around. Or yes. in Emperor Palpatine's case, he kept transferring his life to clone bodies to keep himself alive for long periods of time. Dark science, cloning. As for a straight up, just like a straight up force ghost, Legends canon is full of Sith Force ghosts. There are a ton of them in Legends canon. So it's clear that the ability to become a Force ghost is not tied to following the light or the dark side. It's more about retaining your sense of individuality and self when becoming one with the Force at the time of death. So why we haven't really okay. seen a straight Sith Force ghost in the movies, like the main canon that everyone knows, they can do it. It's possible. Mm, I like that. And, but I, I also particularly like what you talked about with essence transfer or mm. the transfer life thing that the Sith can do. Because one of my favorite dark side users, and this is in the comics, is a uh, dark side user by the name of Darth Momin. And fun mm -hmm. fact, in the current canon, Darth Momin was the, it was the dark side user that actually made Darth Vader's castle. And they specifically mm. made it on Mustafar because Mustafar is this planet that is like a, has a huge concentration of the dark side. And so, I mean, it looks like it. It doesn't look like a fun paradise. It's very dark sidey. And what's interesting about Darth Moment is that Darth Vader reactivated him because he was um, originally a mask. And mm. like once like people started wearing the mask, it's like, all right, Darth Moment is back. Like I'm back in business, baby. He sort of like a, like transferred his essence in that way through uh, that object. So I really hope that they bring in Darth Moment for Mandalorian season three because those two, like Mando versus Moment. Come on. Come on, Disney. Mm. You know you want to. It's so good. Sorry. Anyway, that's my spiel. I love it. On Darth Moment. Well, Brandon, I got another question for you. You ready for this? I'm ready. I'm ready. How mm. long do you think it takes for all of the MCU heroes to put on their costumes? And this is from Tyler Edwards on Discord. Thank you, Discord. And shout out to everybody on Discord. We love all of you. Mwah. Mwah. Thank you, Discord. Thank people. you for the wonderful questions. You know, it's, it's really tough to say how long it would take each MCU hero to get their outfit assembled. But I do like this question a lot. And it made me wonder, instead of like how long each one takes, who takes the longest to get ready? You know what I mean? Mm, who, okay, who are they waiting okay. for? You know, they got the Quinjet running. They're sitting there. And they're like, come on, guys. We got to get out of here. Uh, <laughs> so we went ahead and we compiled a list of the heroes to see if we could figure it out. Okay. So right, let's start off with the big one. Okay. In the early days, I think Tony Stark would definitely take the longest, right? Oh yeah. That was a cumbersome. <laughs> yeah. He had a fully mechanized system or robotic arms mm. and he's got to put the suit on and things have to be screwed in. And even with all the help, it seemed like it took forever. His outfit was like so cumbersome uh, that every time he made a new suit, one of the main features was how fast he could put it on. Right. You oh know, he's yeah. Got the briefcase suit and he's got the suit with the pieces flying towards him. Uh, and he worked it all the way up to nanotechnology that he probably learned from Shuri and Wakanda. I mean, they cut that part out. but Plagiarism. Like he, he clearly saw like, oh, what's this quick ass way to put on a suit? <laughs> That's pretty cool. So that means anyone with access to like nanotechnology, whether it be Shuri's or Tony Stark's, they're getting dressed really quick. So that's Iron mm -hmm. Man, Rescue, Spider-Man, War Machine, Black Panther, and probably even Sam with his like Wakandan made Captain America wingsuit. Oh. 
I mean, the cow probably takes like the longest to get it over his yeah. head. But like, if anything needs to be nanotech, it's the freaking cowl on that thing. Good God. So then like anyone else with like access to alien technology is probably getting dressed pretty quickly. So that's like mm. Captain Marvel, uh, right. all the Guardians of the Galaxy. I mean, Drax only wears pants. So that's like pretty fast. I mean, he has sensitive nipples. Oh, my nipples! Yeah, he's got sensitive uh, nipples. But we can't saw- really blame Drax for that. I mean, you can't blame him, but he could get a shirt without nipple covers on it or something. It oh, just holds just, oh yeah, you're are. right. Just like nipple yeah. holes. Yeah, that yeah. makes sense. And if you <laughs> if you're Peter Quill, you know you got to put on the shirt and the pants. But like you know the the head thing just comes on. There's right. a lot of nanotech there. Let's think about anyone with magic abilities that can use their powers mm. to suit up quickly. So Doctor Strange, Scarlet Witch. Wong, you know, they could probably do a little magic spell and change their outfit very easy. And of course, like Thor, he can change his outfit with a bolt of lightning. So as long uh, as yes. as long as he's outside, he can get dressed really quick. Um, Hulk just has to Hulk out. That's very fast. That doesn't take long. Mm-hmm. So now let's think about like all the earthbound Terrans not utilizing technology. So Steve mm-hmm. Rogers and Bucky are both super soldiers. So they probably don't take too long, right? Because they're, they're fast. They can move fast. They're strong. I mean, Bucky just tears a... Sleeve off, he's ready to go. <laughs> Pretty much. <laughs> yeah, Cap was in the military. He knows how to get dressed quickly. They don't have a lot of time. Natasha and Clint, they're also highly trained soldiers, so they get dressed quickly. And then we got like this new hero, Shang-Chi, right? That He's got mm. the, the mystical, magical dragon scale armor from Talo, but it still looks like it functions like normal clothes. I don't think it goes on quickly or anything. So that leaves us with who I think takes the longest to get dressed, to get suited up, to get ready for battle. And that's Ant-Man. That's Ant-Man, okay? <laughs> I agree with you. <laughs> He's got that bulky suit that's like, it's like coveralls, like full coveralls. Uh, it probably takes him a minute to put it on because he's Scott Lang. He's goofing around. He's making jokes. Uh, and you have to make sure that it's on properly, like fully sealed up. Because if it's not sealed and you shrink down, you're going to die because you can't breathe. Uh, yeah. You want to take an extra second to make sure, okay, this is all clean. And even by the time we get to Infinity War and he has like the helmet that kind of is like nanotech, I feel I think the rest of his suit is not nano. It's still that kind of suit that uh, Hank Pym made. I know it changes from the first Ant-Man to the second Ant-Man, but it's still kind of a bulky suit to slide into. Hope Van Dyne has like a similar suit, but she she gets dressed way faster than Scott does. Like Scott, he's dicking around. He's taking too long. And I don't know if he counts as a hero, but 2016 Red Guardian trying to fit into his old suit (laughs) takes longer than anybody. I mean, ridiculous. Ridiculous. Hey, it still fits. It still fits. That's all that matters, my friend. (laughs) It still fits. I I, I 100% agree with you on Ant-Man because in Ant-Man 1, when Hank goes to save Scott in prison, those ants give him 10 seconds to put that suit on. And I was like, that is, there was no no way way. possible that Paul Rudd would be able to put the suit on in 10 seconds. No way. Not just Paul Rudd, anyone. I couldn't do it in like 10 minutes. It would not happen. So like, good God. I don't know, MT. I'm a scared little boy. And if you put me in a prison cell and said... You have 10 seconds to get dressed and you'll get out of here. I would do it real fast. Oh, oh yes. Oh, thank you. But now it is time for our favorite part of the show. It's time for the box of scraps. Ooh, box of scraps. Now, Brandon, 
Mm. What is a nexus point in your life? What would you oh. consider a nexus point for you? Oh, okay. I, I got a good answer for this, MT. Okay. There was a point where if I were to invent a time machine and try and go back and change it all, this is the point I could not change, okay? It happened in <laughs> kindergarten. Uh, a, young, a young Brandon had been cast uh, in the holiday production called The Littlest Christmas Tree. Uh, that oh, our, dang. That our kindergarten was going to do. You know, this was going to be my chance. <laughs> I was cast as the titular Littlest Christmas Tree. Oh, uh, dang. Yeah, what? I was going to be. Yo, let me see them IMDB credits right now. I know. Now. Check, check my star meter. Uh, but, <laughs> you know, I was going to be the star of the show. I knew all my lines. I knew everybody's lines because I was ready to go. I was ready to be mm. a star. You know, it was going to happen. <laughs> not, not long before we were set to, to de- debut our one and only performance of The Littlest Christmas Tree at the Christmas pageant, um, I was recast. Okay. I. They bullshit oh they, that's so whack yeah because i knew everyone's lines they cast me as santa claus uh and moved another kid into like the littlest christmas tree position i don't know why i don't know why they did this to me mt wow because santa in this production doesn't come in until the very end and he's kind of like the deus is machina he it, it, the story is very similar to rudolph the red-nosed reindeer where he has to come uh. in santa has to come in and tell all the other trees to be nice to the littlest christmas tree it's it's very similar oh. And because I'm playing Santa, I got to look the part, right? So they give me a little Santa suit with the big beard and uh, <laughs> they shove a pillow up under the suit. So I'm fat and I'm a little kindergartner. <laughs> so, of course, it looks hilarious. It's mm-hmm. the night of the show. I'm very excited. You know, I'm sitting backstage. I'm waiting for my big moment. I get my cue. I come out. I'm ready. I'm ready to give like a Brando-esque <laughs> performance. Just really blow these people away. Okay. And they laugh. They laugh at me, MT. Oh, because of the suit? Because I look ridiculous. But, <laughs> you know, in my mind, I'm nailing it. I am Santa Claus. Yeah. I'm, I am I'm Santa Claus incarnate. Why are they laughing at Santa? <laughs> Do they know who I am, right? This is drama. This yeah. is art. Yeah, but I'm a professional MT, so I do my lines. I finish the part. I go off stage. I'm devastated. I'm just devastated oh, because I'm no. like, uh, they just, they didn't get it. They didn't get it. But what I didn't know, MT, was at that moment, I didn't realize... What, how profound that moment was to me because when I looked back on it, I was what I did enjoy was like getting the reaction, getting the laugh. Yeah, it gave me that taste, it gave me the, the little, <laughs> a little bit mm, of that. Mm. Mm. And ever since, I've been addicted to it. You know, I've been, <laughs> I've chasing, been chasing that dragon, I've been chasing the laugh. <laughs> so, that's that's the nexus point in my life. If that hadn't happened, I wouldn't have, you know, pursued what I pursued in my life. I don't think you could, you can't change that moment. It's, it's very important to me, uh, and it has affected me throughout my life. That is an amazing story. I was hooked. And honestly, screw those people for laughing at you, even though they were supposed to. I mean, they were but right. I looked hilarious. Feelings. I, really, really, we should blame my teacher for letting me going out looking so ridiculous. It's Seriously. And you didn't even sign up for that role. You were no, the little Christmas No, I was Christmas supposed to be the little Christmas tree. Robbed. You know what? We'll, we'll find another production of the little <laughs> Christmas tree. I'm going to restage <laughs> it this year. <laughs> and we'll put you in that costume. We'll yeah, make yeah. it fit. Yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> But no, that's a really good one. I like that one. I think uh, a nexus point in my life actually um, happened like around like 2015-ish or is 2015, 2016. No, 2015. I was going into a Newberry Comics with my girlfriend at the time. And like I, at that point, I just never read comics at all. I was just like, all right, Newberry Comics is like, you know, we'll buy socks or like whatever they sell here. <laughs> but then like I was looking at the comic section, even though like that's not really all that like emphasized in Newberry Comics these days. And I, was, I picked up a copy of Spider-Gwen. And like mm. me, not knowing who Spider-Gwen is, I was like, whoa, this is super cool. 
Like, this is like, I just love the cover. This is really awesome. And so I buy the copy of Spider-Gwen and I go, me and my girlfriend go home and like, I'm reading this. I'm like, oh my God, comic books are awesome. And then like, I just, you know, I just got it. I was like, yo, I really want to go back to Newberry Comics to pick up another comic. And so the next day I go there and I buy a bunch of comics. And then from there, my love of comics sort of just dominoed. And I, here I am now. That's beautiful. <laughs> Doing this here. And so like, yeah, I literally did not get into comics until 2015-ish. So, hey, you man. just kind of happened to go into that store that day? I just happened to go into the store and I picked it up. I was like, yo, comic books are awesome. And like, obviously I was watching the Marvel movies. So like, I sort of had an appreciation for Marvel. Sure. But like, I didn't know anything until that uh, moment. So that never happened. You didn't know that's a great this that's a great reminder, happen. folks. Support your <laughs> local neighborhood comic book shops. Seriously, um, go to your local yeah. neighborhood co- neighborhood comic book shops because like they need you to keep yeah. the business. They'd love alive to have you. Like, they'd love amazing. to give you some recommendations, uh, whether you ask for them or not. No, I'm just kidding. But <laughs> no, there's always there's always helpful people there no. who would love to get you yeah. into a comic book or seven. So uh check them out for sure. Yeah, seriously, check them out. And comic books are literally just a new like a, a different medium than like, you know movies or, or audio it's just like a different way to experience stories so mm-hmm. if you're hesitant on reading comics take that out of your brain because like literally they're adapting all the best stories from comic books these days so get yeah. into it that's a commercial for comic books anyway into it. <laughs> <laughs> but that is it for this episode of big question i of course want to thank my good friend off-screen producer branding for joining me this episode please thank follow you, him Auntie. at grin and barrack on twitter you can follow me at Mastertainment on Twitter if you want to see me tweet some weird shit. Most importantly, <laughs> follow at New Rockstars on Twitter and also here on YouTube. And when you do when you're on YouTube, make sure to hit that notification bell so you get notifications whenever we upload new videos. And also, be sure to hit up NewRockstarsMerch.com to buy some new cool shirts for you and your mom. Thank you guys for watching and we will see you guys next time. Goodbye. Bye. <laughs> Bye.